Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's so nice to see lots of people I know, because normally when I go to speak, I'm like, I know nobody. And so you're kind of talking to lots of people you don't know. But Emmanuel Church has been phenomenal. And just thank you for raising up incredible men and women of faith that we have been able to walk with and have come out and serve. And it has been such a joy and an honor this summer to have people come out independently from Emmanuel Church and just... Um, I just want to say they have re- represented you so well, like above and beyond. And so we have been thrilled to just see our um, friendship with Emmanuel Church just growing and people within the Emmanuel Church um, just investing in our team and our staff and us being able to do the same in them. So it's been really lovely. We've had great teams over the years and we've had a lot of fun. There's been good crack, hasn't there? Um, and uh, we've done a lot of hard work. You know, we have put them to work, just so you know. <laughs> um, but one of the amazing things that um, one of the last teams that came out was Lee's team. And um, you guys had raised and spent money and, and time raising funds for us to do something that will impact the nations. And um, their heart as a team was to do something with the money that impacted the nation of Cambodia, that brought uh, prevention, that brought the gospel, and that is our passion for our outreaches. And so one of the things we do is we go to where the major trafficking and sourcing regions are for labor trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking, drug trafficking, the works. And we go to those locations for three or four days and we preach the gospel and we teach and train the children and the families how to prevent their children, their family members being trafficked in all these different ways. And so Emmanuel team left a generous donation which enabled us to go to two different locations on the border of Thailand and Cambodia, which are renowned secret passages in the night of the borders and a lot of different types of trafficking happens along these areas and we were able to go to these incredibly poor locations and we reached over 320 children in two different locations Um, we fed them all we played the jesus film and over 30 people got saved and um, 22 of those were children that had heard the gospel for the first time and they literally said okay, well, like in the movie, we need to be baptized. And we went on a a search for a river. (laughs) And we're hoping there was no crocodiles in it. Um, And there weren't. It was great. No one got eaten. But um, we baptized 22 children, and they cut off their, um, their red Buddhist belief bands and had a little burning ceremony. And um, we've just been seeing so many people being reached because of our relationship. So I just wanted to share before I even started how Emmanuel and how as a body you guys have been blessing the nation and the people of Cambodia. And so we filmed the whole outreach because we really wanted to show you guys. And I knew at some point I'd be coming back. So we videoed it. So we have a little video for you all to watch and just see just the joy and um the, just the amazing um, outreaches that we do, just teaching and seeing Jesus move. So enjoy.
Jesus gave his life for us. And he made it possible for all of us to reconnect with God. So thank you very much for being a part of it. And you could see, you know, those children were literally desperate to get baptized. And that's my favorite part of all of it. Um, but we saw so many miracles and so many people just encountered Jesus. And some of the older people that you saw in the video 
were alive through the genocide and the Khmer Rouge and had all their family members killed. And, you know, their stories and their testimonies are just unbelievable what they have been through. And just to be the honor to be able to pray for them and introduce them to Jesus is just incredible. Um, so thank you so much, Emmanuel Church, for being a massive part of that and just imparting truly and deeply into the salvation of a nation. It's been um, it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so I'm Kelly. <laughs> um, I have lived in Balamoni for many years, woo, down the road, um, and um, I've been out in Cambodia for a long time now. So we started. Um, just over 10 years ago and me and my husband went on an exploration trip and the Holy Spirit just landed on us in Cambodia and investigations and everything just started straight away as soon as we landed and that has not stopped <laughs> over the last 10 years and um, it's a beautiful country for those of you who haven't been out yet you should come come and see what we do and come and be a part of some of the things you saw on the video um, you are all welcome. We class you all as family, and uh, even you could see one of our team, Vun, uh, had a, a, a Northern Ireland top on that some of the Emmanuel team left because he was like, can I have your T-shirt so I have something from your country? So actually quite often I'll walk into the office and see Emmanuel team shirts, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it makes me miss home. So it's lovely. Um, but we have many, 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 many things that we do. Um, tonight I want to share with you a little bit about some of our newer projects. Um, these are some projects, um, one of which we can share about, one of which we can't share about massively publicly. So... Um, we um, have been given the privilege to, on the quiet, um, start a home, a rescue home and facility for babies. Um, so as some of you know, and some of you have been praying for me and my husband, our son that we've just recently adopted, he's been with us for almost a year, but um, he's amazing. And he um, was, I think, one of our second or third rescued children um, from the hospital. And we just fell in love with him and decided to keep him for ourselves. Um, <laughs> but um, unfortunately, in Cambodia, poverty is a massive feed into the cycle of trafficking. And a lot of these parents um, give birth and have no means to pay for the baby, have no means to sustain the life of the child. And so traffickers will wander the halls of the hospitals and prey on those families and say, well, I'll give you $250 and that'll cover all your birthing costs and give you a little bit extra to get back to your province. And we'll take your baby and give your baby a really good life. Now, some of these babies go to illegal adoption rings. Um, some babies are sold to other countries and then other babies are raised for organ harvesting in Vietnam. And so there's real issues around babies and it's something that isn't really talked about you know in the world and so this is something that had become more and more and more common um, as we were working with families and communities and we have been working really hard to keep the majority of families together which means supplying them with milk paying their rent supplying them with food whatever it takes to keep that family unit together um, but unfortunately, sometimes that's not possible and there's too much need, there's too much desperation and we have to act fast and think what's going to be best for the future of that child. And so 
just before I left, it was a manic rush, but we rented our first facility and we have a beautiful, big five bedroom house to house all the babies that will be coming our way. We already have one. Um, and even since being here, I think two days ago, I was getting messages about two other babies and a bunch of more referrals. And so I doubt it'll be very long before the house is full, but our dream for this house is that it's a rescue, emergency rescue center where we will then provide long-term foster families and adoption. Now, before anyone asks, international adoption is closed because Cambodia is such a high-level trafficking comp uh, company, country. Um, so, unfortunately, at the moment, international adoption is illegal unless you live within the country. But we're hoping and praying that that will change soon because the power of Jesus will change the statistics for Cambodia and we will have no trafficking in Jesus' name and people will be able to adopt these beautiful children. But... Um, yes, this home is just going to be a place of peace, a place of love, a place where these babies get to encounter healing and they get to encounter family. And it's a launch pad. We really see it as a launch pad for them into their future, into their forever home. And it's a real honor and a privilege to have that. Um, so we have the most beautiful home and it's just incredible the favor that we've been given by the government to do this. Now, it's not public um, because technically we're not supposed to be doing it. Um, but the, the issue is we've tried and tried to house babies, but most organizations don't take them before they're three months old. And they don't take them if they're HIV positive, which a lot of our babies are. But there's medication and there's ways of curing HIV now if you're an infant. And so... Um, even with our son Samuel, we've seen him have HIV positive testing when he arrived and he's actually HIV free now. So his life has changed forever. So we believe that we'll take these babies in and see them healed and cured from HIV, whether by Jesus, whether by medicine, because he's created it all. And we will see real breakthrough for these children to find um, families. And so that's one of our new things that we're doing and we're seeing hospitals calling us up we're seeing government phone us up and say we need your help um, so it's a real honor to be able to stand in the gap and get these babies before they're even trafficked they don't have to live the life of hell that we see um, some of these children and young women and men living in so it's a real honor to jump in and break that cycle before it even begins and these children will have no trauma and it's just going to be a beautiful beautiful thing so I wanted to share that with you because we haven't been able to share with many people because it's something that's really um, has to be kept really quiet for the safety and security of those babies but um, it's something that is going to really change the life of the next generation of Cambodian children and we really believe for that and we want to raise up leaders and doctors and teachers and preachers that are just going to change the nation and so that's our big dreams and prayers and declarations over these children. And one of our other new projects, um, as some of you may have seen if you follow us on Facebook, we have an amazing vocational training home opening for young boys. Now, 60% of trafficking victims in Cambodia are boys, which might surprise people because a lot of people think it's mostly girls. And maybe 10% or so are boys, but actually it's the other way around. And these boys are street children. They maybe live with families, but they're in extreme poor and at-risk situations. Some of them live on streets that are just lined with brothels, and it's, it's no life for anybody to live. And in one of our bases, there's huge amounts of building and construction happening that actually nearly all of the Khmer people have left, and all that's left is this community. 
that we have been working in for eight years now and this community is struggling so much and it has turned into a complete brothel, an international brothel community to try and survive. Um, I walked down there maybe two or three weeks ago and um, there was Vietnamese girls, Thai girls, Chinese girls and none of them spoke English and it broke my heart and this is where these boys are growing up. And we asked them, we did a survey and we asked them, what can you be if you stay where you're at right now and you live in the same home and you're living the same day-to-day -day life, where are you going to be when you're 25? What are you going to be working as? And they said, uh, drug dealer, drug user, pimp, maybe even prostituting myself. And maybe if I'm really lucky, I'll become a motor taxi driver. I mean, that's horrific, right? If you ask any of our kids, like, I want to be a policeman, doctor, vet, I want to do this, you know, and it's, it's polar opposite. There is no dream, there is no hope. And that's why we call it the Dream Center, because we're there to install the dreams that God has for them. And we're taking these boys from the Dream Center project to our vocational training home in Camp Hot by the river, and it is beautiful. And we will be training them in mechanics, and we will be doing discipleship and mentor mentorship program with them. They'll be learning English, maths, and IT. And it's literally going to transform their lives. And they are so excited about it. And um, if you check on our Facebook, we posted a wee video of one of the boys' testimonies. Um, and he just can't wait for his life to change. He's 18, has no education, no job, no hope. And he currently sits with all his younger siblings all day long and um, gambles in an internet shop. And so to see his life go from that to being a mechanic and actually being able to provide for his family and feeling like he's worth something is going to be huge. So that's another project that literally is going to be launching in October. And we're really excited about it. We currently have five boys signed up and we're working on some other boys from our projects in Phnom Penh to actually send them down there too. So it's very, very exciting and all, all go on the ground at the moment, which is amazing. Um, but tonight, I, Dave kind of stole my message um, in ministry time, so I was a bit annoyed with him. So <laughs> God was speaking to me tonight about breakthrough because I really believe that's one of the messages that God has given me to, to share with people. Um, and I don't know if any of you have seen, but it's been 50 years since man walked on the moon. Now that is breakthrough. The fact that men have walked on the moon and since then we have been exploring outer space. And that is just incredible and you know Elizabeth was saying to me earlier but how many rockets didn't get off the ground before that one went to the moon and you know there's there is a lot of failure there is a lot of obstacles in the way there are a lot of moments that are hard and um, you know for us it's you know we might have these beautiful testimonies now but for many many years it was very difficult and for a lot of the time, we did feel very alone in this journey where, you know, we would share with people what we were seeing and what we were experiencing. And people went, oh, my goodness, I can't hear that. That's no, 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 no. It's not real. It's not real. And people wouldn't do that to children. And now, because it's so known and so, you know, such a huge topic, you know, now people want to know about it. And, you know, when I saw the news about it being 50 years since man walked on the moon, I it just stirred something in my heart about breakthrough and I really felt like tonight God is just wanting to release breakthrough through the power of testimony 
And I know I'm going to be sharing testimonies about girls in brothels and children that we work with, but it's no different to pursuing that breakthrough in your own life. Um, because one thing that Heidi, my spiritual mama, says is, if you don't quit, you win. If you quit, he wins. And we don't want that. That is not what he's called us to do. He's, he, he made us winners. You know, he didn't make us quitters. And so there's something, especially in Ireland, there's this call and there's this fire that, that Irish people carry. And, and it's so deep within us that we don't even realize. And, um, you know, some people say it's stubbornness, but, <laughs> but I call it the power of not quitting. Um, and there has been many times where I have sat and gone, Jesus, this is too big. This is too huge. I've sat in the red light area and I've looked at the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls and gone, it's too big. It's too big, Jesus. I just should just give up now and go home and work in Tesco's and stack shelves and look at carrots all day. And that would have been really nice at that moment in time. But I'm sorry, I have done that as a job just in case anyone's offended. <laughs> I actually worked in Tesco's at one point. So I was reminiscing going, that was, that was easy. Um, and seemed possible. But, you know, you look at it and you look out uh, into this sea of red and bodies and darkness and you could be very easily overwhelmed and think, how can I, a little girl from Balamoney, make a difference in any of this? And, you know, then you have a team of three and how can we make a difference in any of this? And it, it's carrying that breakthrough anointing. It's not being afraid to plow the ground that's been unplowed. And it's carrying that gut strength where you know that even if you rescue one person, even if you touch one life, um, even if one person gets saved, it's all been worth it for that one. And that's how... Jesus came in and shifted my mindset because I think, you know, those of you who were up earlier looking for breakthrough, it can seem so overwhelming sometimes and it can seem impossible. But I have decided a few years ago to remove impossible from my dictionary and I wrote a big H in front of it and I call it impossible because it says in the word, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. And when we seem like it's impossible, when we seem like we can't face it anymore, he comes in and he puts his stamp at the front of it and he says, no, it is impossible. I will make it possible. I will bring the breakthrough that you need. And, you know, there was um, a few times where we were doing investigations and it just all seemed to go wrong. And, you know, the kids weren't getting rescued and or they were running away when we got them into care. And it's like, God, we need to see this breakthrough. We need to see something happen. We need to see something stick. And it'd be very easy in those moments to be so discouraged that you just want to walk away from it all. But God just kept speaking about his promises and God just kept reminding us about the prophetic words. We're going to see a great harvest we're going to trample the darkness. We're going to stomp on Satan's head. We're going to be on top of the serpent, not giving up. And all those words would just keep rushing back to me every time I wanted to go and work in Tesco's. And it was so encouraging to my spirit because literally when you stand there as just one person on that street and there were literally hundreds upon hundreds of girls, 
you, you feel helpless and you feel powerless. But when you stand with the army of heaven behind you, you know that it is him possible. And I want to encourage everybody tonight that we all stand with the army of heaven behind us. There is not one person in here that is facing a difficulty or needing a healing, needing a breakthrough, needing to see breakthrough in their family, their finances, anything that God will move heaven and earth to see that breakthrough in your life. And we have seen it time and time again. I was sitting one day and I had to sit and write up all my staff's redundance letters. Every single one of them. We had no money. We had not one penny to pay 10 members of staff. And I literally wrote all of their, their letters saying, I'm really sorry, but Iris Cambodia is having to make you redundant due to lack of finances. We wish you well with the rest of your life. Can't even give you any money to say thank you for everything you've done and how you've served Jesus so faithfully. And it was the most heart-wrenching, awful experience I've ever had. And I literally was in the meeting and I was prepping them and I brought in a private interpreter because I knew if one of my staff had to interpret, they'd cry and it wouldn't work. So I'm sitting there with him and I said, look, if there's lots of crying, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Just, it's going to be a bit emotional, so brace yourself. And he's like, okay. And I said, we're a Christian organization, so, you know, there might be crying and praying and you might have to translate. And he's like, uh, okay. And so it's quite funny. But I had to sit there and I gave them out all their letters and I said, I'm sorry, but you're, there's no more work. And I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going to stay and I'm gonna try and carry on and I don't know what the answer is and I don't know what God wants us to do but I'm not going home even though that's what I felt like I was like what a mess and literally um Heidi phoned me she knows these things she's a very good friend of Jesus's and she said God told me something about you yesterday and I'm like Heidi I'm in the middle of a meeting she said look you have to take this call and I said, okay. And she said, God told me something yesterday. And I was like, okay. And I'm looking at all of them reading their letters. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just want to die. And the, Heidi said, God told me that you were struggling financially. And she said, Iris Global are going to give you a donation to help cover all your staff salaries. And I went in and went, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's like, it's all just a joke. It's not funny now. I told them, I was like, you'll never believe what God just happened. You know, God believes in what we're doing. And God believes in you guys working for us. God has a purpose and a plan. And look what he has just done. And do you know what? Since that day that that massive breakthrough happened, we have seen breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in all the communities that we work in. We have seen our projects go from having zero casework to having too many cases now that we're actually currently employing lots more social workers because we can't cope with the caseload that we have. Um, and so don't stop believing in his goodness. Don't stop believing in the prophetic words that have been spoken over you. Don't stop believing in your dream because the second we stop dreaming, you know, it says in the Bible where we have no vision, we perish. And the second we stop dreaming, we perish. And that's why I stood there and I said, I'm not going home. Because I knew if I went home, I would perish. I had no, my vision and the things that God had given me were in Cambodia, not, not in Northern Ireland. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And then obviously he saves the day and it's all amazing. Um, but some of our stories you know, they're not easy. They're, you know, what we work in is 
is not an easy topic to talk about. And so, you know, one of the things I've been teaching Zoe and, and some of the other guys that came out was, you know, you work hard for Jesus, you pray hard together, and you have a lot of fun. You play hard. Because what we work in is so difficult, and all we talk about is sexual abuse and rape and these awful topics that we need to have a lot of fun together as a team and a lot of fun with Jesus. And so um, hopefully that's something we've imparted <laughs> and that they can take away, you know, that um, I think if we can stick to those three core values in life that, you know, we, we serve we serve him well and we, we pray and worship together and we have a lot of fun and community together that we will be able to lift each other up and carry each other through those times when we really need one another. And so um, some of our stories are not for the faint-hearted, so I'll just pray before I share. Um, so, Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing here in our country to do with trafficking. Father, I thank you for Emmanuel Church. I thank you for what you're doing in this beautiful body. Thank you, God, that you are calling them up. Thank you, God, that you are just pouring out in this place. Father, we just uh, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just be even more present right now. Father, just as we share testimonies, God, that you will stir the hearts of the people. Father, that, yeah, give us ears to listen. Father, our spirits will be open to hear what you have to say. Have your way. Have your way, Papa. Thank you, God. So recently, we've, we have an incredible team that go out to the bars, and Elizabeth is um, with me tonight, and she's one of those incredible people um, that has given her life away to walk fearlessly into these dark places. Um, and um, a couple of nights a week, the team is out ministering and loving on these girls, and interviewing them for possible career changes and looking at ways that we can get them out into different different places, different jobs, um, aftercare programs, whatever it looks like, whatever their needs are, we try and work with them, not stick to a particular system. And um, it's been beautiful to watch the lives of these women change just because we come alongside them and are their friends. And one story... I want to share is um, one night um, the girls were going out and I kept hearing this word heart love and seeing love hearts and so we kind of do like treasure hunting but with bars and brothels we're like god what's the name of the place we're going to and so we kept hearing heart love and love hearts and all these different pictures and people were texting in I see loads of love hearts and so we're walking down the street and we see this bar called heart love and it's like love we need to go in there so they go in and they get talking and it's a really quiet night and the uh, bar owner comes over and they just start talking and then um, the girls are just so hungry to see Jesus and one of them was sick actually I'm going to get Elizabeth to come up and share it because she was there and she's amazing Sorry, there's quite a few healing stories. I was like, which one? Yeah, so we were in um, Heart Love, and 
there was somebody who had a, a sore shoulder. So Jessica, one of our team members, um, just said, look, can I, can I pray for your shoulder? And um, they were kind of like, uh, we have to explain it quite a lot, um, what even that means um, to pray for someone and who actually Jesus is. And um, this girl got healed, like her, her shoulder. She was like, wow, um, that's amazing. And um, then that was that same night. Then we were t- there was another girl um, later on that we started talking to, and uh, she, had a, she had a sore head. And, uh, and uh, the girl beside her said to her in Kamai, because um, we said, look, we'd love to pray for you again. And the girl beside her said in Kamai, you should let them do it. It works. And like this, so this girl, um, again, just prayed for her head and um, she, um, she felt so much better. And at this stage, even though it was in English, there was a girl um, that was sitting at the table. We, you know, we were praying and we were speaking mostly in English. Um, because these girls could speak English well, but there was another girl there, and she couldn't speak English very well, because, you know, we had tried to talk to her, but she sat there literally, like, tearing up, um, and was just um, in tears, because just one of our team just started to um, just share about Jesus to the to the table, and this girl, who will only have gotten a very small translation of what was being said, was just so overwhelmed by just what God was doing in that time, like she literally started to cry and excused herself, um, just because of, just because of the presence of Jesus, just as we were out there. So, these girls are amazing. <laughs> but then the great, there's the story goes on because the great thing is, is the the bar owner literally is like, come and dine with me, come to my house. Come to my table. I want what you have. And she invited a whole bunch of girls to her house. And they had dinner together. And please tell us about Jesus. And they were just overwhelmed. And just prayed for the whole lot. And everyone was encountering Jesus. And it was so powerful. And then relationships kept building. And over a period of, what, five, six months? Not even, maybe four months. Um she decided to close her bar, sell it, and open a cafe. God can do incredible and impossible things because he is in everything. And so she said, the words that she used was, I am so glad for whatever reason I am selling my bar because I will no longer have these knives in my heart knowing what I'm doing you know, and that's what God has done for her. God has given her that gift of freedom and that gift of forgiveness and that gift of guilt and shame has been lifted off her knowing what she was doing to women in her bar night after night. So God is not only reaching the girls, but God is reaching the owners of the premises, (coughs) excuse me, that are pimping out girls night after night and we're just seeing such incredible incredible breakthrough um there was another night um we were all out and we were sitting up on a balcony of one of the bars and this very young lively girl came in and she told us she was 18 and you know your heart breaks because you know if they're telling you they're 18 they're probably way younger And she looked maybe about 16 years old and our heart was just breaking for her. And one of our teammates was like, do you have a problem with your ear? Like your left ear? 
my ears just got blocked up and as soon as I stood next to you and then she's like, how do you know? I haven't told anybody because it's a real shame thing if you're, you know, you have some sort of disability, you know, you're really frowned upon and your karma goes down and it's really not good. And she's like, I haven't told anybody, how do you know this? And she said, well, Jesus just told me that, you know, he gives me these things and I know it's Jesus and it's not me because I'm not deaf in one ear. And she says, I haven't been able to hear in my ear since I was really little. And we literally lay hands on her, pray for her. And she, you know, stands there with her eyes closed. We pray. <coughs> and nothing happened. And she said, no, nothing. She said, right, let's pray again. We really feel something's going to happen for you. God is going to do something for you. He loves you. And she starts to get a bit emotional. And she says, okay. And she stood there. And her eyes just went. She's like, something's happening. Quick, pray again, pray again, pray again. And we're like, okay, that's great. And she could hear bubbling in her ear. And the third time that we prayed, her ear popped open. And she couldn't believe it. And she was literally just dancing and screaming like, oh, my gosh, my ear, my ear. And telling the girls, you know, Jesus just healed my ear. And she said, why are you here tonight? And we said, oh, we're just out. You know, we tell them we're teachers because we want to keep good relationship with the, the bars. If we go in and tell them we're an anti-trafficking NGO, we'll be straight out the front door. So we use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we say, you know, we're teachers. We work with children, which is not a lie. That's exactly what we do during the day. But um, literally, this girl was like, why are, why are you here? And we said, well, we're just here. We really want to make some friends. And um, we came in here tonight. I met you. And... Jesus told us something about you and do you know Jesus? And she said, I do. And she said, I went to a Catholic church when I was little and missionaries came to my hometown and told me about Jesus and I carry this cross. And she pulled out this teeny little silver chain that she has been given by missionaries when she was a little girl. And we literally just said to her, we came here tonight because Jesus wants to remind you that in the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of torture and torment that you experience working in this place, that he knows your name and he has not forgotten you and that he loves and adores you. And she just bawled and we were able to just pray for her again. And, you know, I, I went home and I couldn't sleep. Most nights when we go out, I'm sitting journaling or you know your 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 mind is going wild thinking of all the things that happened and all the people you met and prayed for and um I went home and I thought wow if I was her what would I be feeling right now that in the midst of me selling my body night after night these girls came in and Jesus spoke to me through them healed my ear called me by name and Jesus said he still loves me and he doesn't care about any of this stuff but he loves me I I was thinking I'd be going home after my night of work and crying my eyes out and I just spent the whole night just praying for her before I went to sleep because I know that if that was any of us that would have deeply deeply impacted our lives and so for her I believe that that has deeply, deeply impacted her life in many, many ways and will continue to. Um, I'm trying to think of one more from the bars. This. Oh, yes. One of the best ones, actually. Thank you, Elizabeth. So um, as you'll see down at the back, um, we started our first um, venture for the girls in the bars 
So for years and years, I was going into the bars, and we partnered with many organizations to get the girls out into placement. And these girls would be back in the bars after a few months. And I'm like, why are you back? We worked so hard to get you in there, and you were safe. And they're like, well, I can't survive on $100 a month and feed my children and pay my rent and do this and do that. And my dad's sick, and it's $500. And I know if I can sell myself three times, I'll have that money to pay that. And you're like, $100 a month. Like, what, what? who of us could go into a program and survive on £90 a month, you know, when you have four children or three children or... No children, I mean, that's not enough to feed, you know, feed you for a whole month and pay your bills. So I've been really praying for many years that, God, what can we do that is going to be lucrative, that is going to be sustainable, that is going to give these girls a skill and a trade where they can become something so much more than a, a bar girl, a prostitute. Um, and um, I, I've been looking around and I was like, man, if we could get into jewellery in some way, but unique different type of jewellery it would be really amazing and about a year later a woman contacted me and a year later we now have Nakor. Now Nakor means kingdom in Khmer in the language and obviously Cambodia is the kingdom of wonder the kingdom of Cambodia because they still have a reigning monarch and so God really spoke to us about bringing the kingdom to the kingdom and that's where the name Nakor came from. And we wanted to bring these girls from hell into heaven. We wanted to bring them out of the miry clay. We wanted to bring them into prosperity. We wanted to bring them into wealth, health, all those things that God promises each and every one of us. And so Nakor was birthed. And um, one of the first nights we were ready to employ a girl, we were like going into the bars and we're like, we all feel a little bit nervous. Like, what if no one wants to do it? You know, when we're sitting there, everything's ready. And we're like, what if nobody wants to do it? And what if it takes a year to find someone? And we're sitting there with a rented room and <laughs> all these things. And, you know, God must have just been laughing because we walk into a bar. And the first girl that we talk to is one of the girls that now works in our bar, in our, our jewelry business. And um, she wanted out straight away. Can you get me out? You have a jewelry business? Yes, I want to work there. When can I meet you? And that it just went like that. We met her. We heard her story. And, you know, stories that you wouldn't want to tell anybody. She shared with us, and we're the first people she ever told. And it was very emotional for her. And she felt, felt a lot of shame. And she knew that if she was doing it any longer, her you know, 12-year-old son would start to know what she was doing and would be ashamed of her. And she didn't want to be ashamed to her children. She didn't want to bring that into her children's lives. And she lived with that shame and guilt. Um, night after night, going home and crying in the shower before she drunkenly crawled into bed beside her children to get them up for school in the morning. And she said, okay, let's do this. And we're like, oh my goodness, we've got our first girl. And we're, we're really nervous because we're like this better not fail <laughs> because she depends on us for her freedom. This is the moment where this action plan kicks in. And literally we meet, it's her first day of work. We're like, let's do a little bit of prayer and then let's explain to her fully what, what is going to happen and what she's going to be trained in and give her some examples. You know, the, the typical like A, B, C, D when you go to your first day of work. 
And she stops our meeting in the middle of it. And she's like, stop, can't take any more. And we thought she was going to get up and leave. And we're like, no, we've ruined it. And she stood up and she said, I have to tell you something. Three years ago, one of your teams came into that bar and told me that God was going to get me out and that God and Jesus had a plan for my life and they gave me a cross. And I blue tacked that cross to my wall in my bedroom and I believed that that cross somehow was going to get me free from this place. And three years I have been waiting to encounter this Jesus and I'm not waiting another second. And she said, when am I giving my life to Jesus? And we were like, oh, that's not what we were expecting today, okay? And we were like, this is amazing. And we were all just crying together. Um, She just stood in the middle and was like, come on, let's do this. And we just led her in a prayer and we prayed for her. We blessed her. And she's like, this is the start of the rest of my life. This is my new life. This is my new beginning. And she said, I can't wait for other girls to come and work here so that I can tell them about what God has done to me in the bar and all the way through. And so, you know, God is moving in so many different ways that we don't even get to see it until we hear the testimony of it. And so, again, believe for that breakthrough because you don't know. You can't see how God is working behind the scenes to prepare the way. It might not be in our timing, but it's in his timing. And that's the same for Ari. She waited three years, three long years that God came for her and God rescued her like he promised because he's faithful and he never breaks a promise. Um, We've had so many breakthroughs with our children. We had... um, One woman in our community, I mean, horrific, violent abuse, drug addiction. She was prostituting herself and her kids would come to our center naked, battered, bruised, open wounds, gashes, infections. And we'd constantly be at the clinic with them. We'd constantly be washing them. Um, Their family was just a mess, an absolute mess. And we knew the kids were telling us, you know, mommy's at home with someone right now and mommy had two people last night. That's why we're so tired and falling asleep. I mean, we'd literally be playing games, running around duck, duck, goose or whatever before we shared the gospel. They'd be in the middle of the room, out of it, fast asleep. And, you know, we sort of pulled them aside, you know, what's going on? And they just shared all this information. So for four years, we worked with this mum and for four years, we prayed for her. And for four years, we invested in relationship with her not expecting anything, but just believing that God would bring change. And this one moment came where her kids came and said, can you come and help my mommy? My mommy's very sick. I said, okay. And I said, mommy had a baby, but she doesn't have a baby anymore, but she's lying on the floor really sick. And we said, oh, okay. So we went to see her and she's very sick on the floor. She's bleeding and we had to take her to the clinic. And I said, can we set up a social work meeting next week? Because I really want to go and pray for her and and talk to her. And they said, okay. And it's not very often I ask to step in, you know, whenever my team are working. But I really felt led that God wanted me to connect with her. And we went in. She was feeling much better, but still just recovering. And she'd taken some sort of poison to have an abortion and almost died herself. And... She couldn't have the baby because her husband was in jail and if he came out and she had another child, he would have known what she was doing and he would have killed her. 
Uh, he was a massive drug dealer and very powerful man. And so she says, now I have to live with the shame that I did that, and I did that in front of my children. And they know what I've been doing. And she said, my life is a mess, and I have no hope. And she just started to cry. And I said, ah, that's why I'm here. And I said, well, listen, I said, I know what it's like to lose a child. I've lost a child myself. And I shared with her a little bit of my testimony about loss and grieving and what that looks like and how Jesus can come in the midst of that and can heal your heart and how Jesus can come and be that comforter and how he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the whole time she's just weeping and we sat and we wept on the floor of this dark hut in the middle of the scorching sun. And she just broke and she was so broken, so, so broken. And she turned around and she said, I want to know who hope is. And I said, well, hope is a man and his name is Jesus. And I can lead you to him right now. And she said, yes, please. And so we, we, we led her to Jesus. And within four days, she was in Teen Challenge with all of her children. And now we're literally working on a program and getting her rehabilitated into her um, family and into her home province next week. And so that's a four, now five-year journey of seeing that freedom and that breakthrough. And, you know, we could have pushed it, we could have rushed it, and we would have missed it. But we literally just put her and her children first every time. Relationship over anything else. And God just honored that. And God knew when she would be ready. And she is literally a different woman. I mean, she's plumper for one because she's actually eating food. Her son had literally had yellow hair. Now, as you know, Cambodian people have black, jet black hair. But his hair was yellow because all he was getting was water and a few little specks of rice. And he'd come in with a plastic bag and just sucking it out every day. And I would quite often just give him my lunch um, because they just didn't have anything to eat. And when we did give her money for food, quite often she spent it on her next use of drugs. And so um, to see these kids transformed, fat, healthy, in school, educated, their lives have been completely transformed by the power of Jesus. She goes to church every week and so do the kids. And it's just been beautiful to watch her go through this huge transformation and um, her husband is still in jail and she doesn't know what she's going to do when he gets out but she believes that God's going to do something in his life too and so you can pray for her if you think of her, her name is Jan and she has four kids and um, she is literally right in the middle of transitioning out of Teen Challenge which is a big thing um, when you've lived the life that she has so please do be praying for them because they're such a special family to our hearts that we've worked with them for so long and they're amazing. Um, we have, well, one of the testimonies that I like to share because it's not, it's not a, a story where we won, it's a story where we lost. Um, but I like to share it because it's the reality, it's the truth. Um, it doesn't always go the way that we want or the way that we hope. And one night we were out in bar ministry at 2 a.m., and we find this little boy of 11 years old crawling across the road. And he had been raped and sexually abused on the street. And we went, picked him up. And he was bleeding and in so much pain. He was literally, it was hard to hold him because he was writhing in our arms. 
and we took him to a noodle house because there's nowhere open at that time of the day other than brothels and we took him to a noodle house that was open and um, I sat with him on my knee and I rocked him and some of the other street boys came out and told us you know and they said, come on, I like main game, up me and Loy. And then, doot, doot. And we went, what does that mean? And they said, uh, they played a game in the internet cafe and he didn't have any money. And so the manager raped him. 25 cents it cost to play a game. So about 15p, around 17p, something like that. And that's all he needed. And that's the life that some of these street kids live. And I was just sitting there holding him, crying, weeping, writhing. And I just started singing worship songs over him and rocking him in my arms because he's the same size as my eight-year-old son because he's huge. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, he's the same size as my son. This could be my son. And I just held him. And I kissed his cheeks. I stroked his hair like I was his mum because he doesn't have one. I thought, what would I do for my son in that moment? And any of us that are mums, any of us that aren't mums, you know you would just instantly start trying to take away the pain and soothe him. And you're just sitting there looking at this wee boy that's completely hopeless, completely helpless and didn't deserve what happened to him. And we got him some food. And obviously he couldn't eat because he couldn't sit down. And I just sat there and I just fed him whatever he could eat and gave him water. And I just rocked him until the emergency anti-traffic line people came and picked him up. Because at that time of the day everywhere was closed. And they came and they promised they would take him to a clinic straight away and get him tested because I said this is a huge case we could get this place we could get this guy he's willing to testify and four days later I go to check in the facility where he was being kept and he comes running in and he's like oh, the lady who healed me and I, I didn't do I really didn't do anything but to him you know I was this amazing lady and he ran in and jumped into my arms and he held my face and kissed me all over my forehead, which is not cultural at all. But he was so grateful and he just said, oh, oh, can we go and eat mangoes? Can you take me away from here? And can we go and eat mangoes together? The sweet, juicy ones, because I love them so much. And I just was crying. It was such a sweet, sweet boy. And I said, I promise I'll bring you mangoes. I can't take you out of here because it's a safe place. But I promise I'll bring you mangoes in a few days when I come back to visit you. And he's like, okay, let's eat mangoes together. I'm like, yes. And, you know, I asked him, you know, have you been investigating what happened? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, I was like, have you found out if he speaks any English or, you know, where is he at on the scale of things? And because I detected he may have some special needs. And uh, he's like, oh, no, he's fine. And I'm like, Oh, he's really not, but he could do with some specialised care and some help, and I think we really need to look into that. And they were like, well, you know, you don't work for us. And so I was like, okay, that's all right. I don't want to interfere. We've got a plan for him. 
So four days later, I went back to check on him again, and he was gone. And I said, what do you mean he's gone? And they were like, oh, we just let him go. I'm like, but what about the fact that he's willing to testify? What about the results from the lab, from the clinic? What about all these things? What did the investigator say? And they were like, oh, um, I don't know if he actually went to a clinic. And I just, I was, well, there was no words for how I felt. I was very angry. And I'm like, so there's a little boy that one week ago was raped and you haven't taken him to a clinic. You haven't done anything. You ha he's now walking out there with no money, completely helpless, completely vulnerable. And the same thing will probably happen to him again. What have you done? And they just said, well, that's our policy. And I, uh, I just was like, well, it's not my policy. And I was like, you should have called me. I was like, I would have done something. I would have taken him for mango and taken him to my house. <laughs> but I would have done something completely different. Um, and so I now see him. And I see him out on the streets. And he attends our street kids club. And he, because of his experience, he is now terrified of any form of care because they treat men so badly. And, you know... You can only do what you can for these children. And at that time of the night, there wasn't anywhere for him to go. And I did the best thing that I could for him. But at the same time, it's one of my biggest regrets because I wish that I had done something different knowing what I know now. And this little boy is, like I said, he's the sweetest kid. And I get the biggest hugs off him. And I would take him home tomorrow if I was allowed, but I'm not. Um, but he's, he's amazing. And, you know, these are the stories where I still long to see breakthrough. I still long to see breakthrough, to see him in a safe place, to see him not at risk, to see him eating as many mangoes as he wants and not having to beg for them. Um, on a great note, just this week, we rescued a 15-year-old girl from the same project on the street. She came to us and she said, hello, I knew I've been coming to your project for three days, but I really need help. I ran away from my home three days ago because my aunt was sending me to a guest house to sleep with a foreign man every night. And I have had no food and I am scared and I am hurting. And so within three hours, we had her in a safe place and taken to an entirely different part of the city where she's now safe in school in counselling and in a rehabilitation programme that's just going to see her a beautiful woman of God. And so there are the stories where these things happen and we see instant breakthrough, but there are stories that happen in our line of work where we don't see the instant breakthrough that we want to, but we've still believed to see the breakthrough that is needed. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you that as you know, we're dealing with these areas that we need to see breakthrough in, I want you to believe for your life and I'd love you to just stand right now and I want to just pray a prayer of impartation. We've seen many, many, many levels of breakthrough. Me and my husband have seen financial breakthroughs. We have been in places when me and my husband have not had food to put on the table and someone has brought around baskets of food for us. We've been in the place where we have had no fuel to get to church and someone has come around and filled up our fuel tank. 
we have been living in Balamoney in the middle of winter, literally under 10 duvets with all of our clothes that we owned on. And someone came around the next day and filled up our oil tank. And we continue to see those financial miracles and breakthroughs every day. And so I really believe that in here tonight, there's a few people that really need to see financial breakthrough. That there are people in here that have debt. There are people in here that have family family problems that have caused, um, I, I don't even know, I'm hearing the word like financial brokenness. Um, but I, I, if that's you, I want you to just really receive this. But for those of you that are seeking breakthrough in any area of your life, I want you to just bow your head. I want you to lift out your hands, and I want you just to be ready to receive. And I'm just going to impart to you just the breakthrough that God has given us. And I know that through the power of testimony, it's the spirit of prophecy. And I'm and by telling these testimonies of breakthrough tonight, I am believing and prophesying over each and every one of you that God is going to do the same in your life, that God is going to bless you financially, that God is going to bless you with new new ways of employment, new open doors, new opportunities, that there's going to be breakthrough in your family, there's going to be salvation, there's going to be healings, there's going to be miracles. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I just pray and impart the spirit of breakthrough that you have blessed me with, Father, that you have, oh, that you have blessed us with abundantly to see breakthrough, to not give up. And Father, we just release it right now. Release it. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. Every area. Breakthrough in finances. Oh, breakthrough breakthrough, those financial wells to open up, breakthrough, debts to be cancelled in Jesus' name. There's someone in here tonight and they have a huge debt and I just believe in Jesus' name it is going to be cancelled. I believe that it's an assignment over your life where the enemy is trying to hold you back in business and I believe that that debt is going to be cancelled in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, breakthrough, breakthrough. There are those of you in here that need healing, you literally need a miracle in your body. And I pray for breakthrough in that right now. I pray for the sickness to break in your life right now. In Jesus' name, we lose healing. We lose financial blessing. We lose breakthrough over this body to see an increase in this community. Whoa. <laughs> that there will be a breakthrough in this community and beyond. That, Father, there will be a plow that will come and it will just plow and break the land ready for the harvest that this beautiful bride, Emmanuel, are going to reap in Jesus' name. There is such huge breakthrough coming. There is huge breakthrough coming where there have been stuck doors and where they've been half opened and they've not been able to open anymore. There's release right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, where there's been uh, partial promises, I pray they will come into fullness. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Huh. Where there's been heartbreak, there will be oh, wholeness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
And Father, those that feel like they have been crippled and held back by the lack of breakthrough, I pray that the elastic band gets cut right now in Jesus' name and they get launched into what you have called them to do. Father, they will see instant breakthrough this week. Father, we pray (laughs) and thank you for your goodness that follows us. Father, it's your promise that your goodness will follow us and be with us all the rest of our days. And I pray that as they encounter breakthrough, as they experience the blessing, Father, that they will see your goodness in everything. They will see where your hand has been at work in every area of their lives, God, that there will be powerful testimonies that will be coming forth from this place, God, that will transform lives outside of the walls of the church. Father, they will be taking their testimonies out to the streets, to the shops, and telling people about the breakthrough, and telling people about this God that does the impossible. (laughs) Father, I pray that you rewrite that word in their dictionaries and make it impossible. Father, we thank you that you are the God of miracles, that you are the God of signs and wonders, that you are the God of breakthrough. Father, we just lift all those areas of need to you tonight, God, and we say, smash it, break it, (laughs) smash it, break it. We stand on the head of the serpent tonight and we say, no more, no more, and we declare the breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessing, 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 blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Where dreams and callings have been capped, we pray that tonight, Lord, you bust open the cap. (laughs) Father, that these dreams and callings can come into being. Thank you, Jesus. This is not the season of sleeping but the season of being awake and fastened to what he is doing. Thank you, Jesus. Awaken our spirits to what you're doing, God, in this place. Awaken our spirits to know how to move in this season, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Greater levels, <laughs> greater levels of abundance. Thank you, Lord. Greater levels of blessing. Be upon them, Jesus, right now, right now, right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy your mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.